Fancy seeing you in this lovely tavern. Yeah, it's fancy seeing you here. You wanna, you wanna crack this thing open? Your your beer this time? Yes, I I ordered us this round. Um, in welcoming everybody to the Bull Moose Tavern. So let's do a little sound check. Ooh, that's crisp. It's not bad. It's not great. That's, that's weird. Yeah. So what okay. we are drinking is 1911 cider donut premium small batch hard cider. Handcrafted yeah. in New York. All right. So time for the tale of finding this beer. Uh, so you sent me the picture. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I've had 1911 stuff before and I've never been a huge fan of it. I don't know if I want to buy a four pack of this thing. Just because if I don't like it, then there's going to be three sitting in my fridge that I'm never going to drink. And I'm glad I didn't buy a four-pack. It's not the greatest thing. I'd probably not drink another one of them. But I will continue with it tonight. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to go out to AJ's Beer Warehouse because I know I can get a single and then I can get like three other drinks or six other and, you know, make a six-pack while I'm there and get other stuff I enjoyed. Which I got to say, I don't know if it was just this so far, but every beer that I got in that pack i have one left has been semi disappointing not exactly what i wanted i got a maple brown ale which i drink during the debates and i don't know if the debates made that disappointing or the beer itself (laughs) was disappointing i got a milk stout which was just a run-of-the-mill milk stout it was okay but it was nothing special but I, i text you the picture and you're like oh cool and i was like yeah aj's and you're like what's aj's (laughs) <laughs> and figuring that you have a business in Henrietta, you've lived in Rochester, you would know what AJ's Beer Warehouse is. Well, never it turns out it. you've never heard of it. And it's probably because it's on Clay Road. It's like right in Henrietta, just outside of Brighton. And I was like, oh, it's, I mean, it's significantly better than Beers of the World because since they're smaller, none of their beers on their shelf have like dust building up on them. <laughs> Because no one buys that beer (laughs) uh, because Beers of the World just has too much selection and almost everything's in a cooler at AJ's. Almost the entire thing's a cooler. Um, There's only like a little storefront. And you're like, well, this would have been nice to know about in all those beer hunts. And I'm pretty sure every drink we've had so far, I saw at AJ's while I was there. That's that's great. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited that I was able to entertain our listeners up until this point because uh, your best kept secret was being kept a secret. And <laughs> when I pick an obscure one, so because I found this at um, my favorite magical uh, gas station, which has an a 
small selection of beer and craft beers, but it is ever-changing and it is ever-fantastic. So whoever is uh, deciding their craft beer selection at my local gas station, you're doing a bang-up job because that's where I saw this, which you shouldn't see in a gas station. And I was like, that sounds amazingly weird and random, and I want it. And that's why I bought it. And then I sent it to you, and I was like, oh, yeah, Jake's going to have a hard time finding this one. We're going to get a good story out of him. No, apparently he's been sitting on this uh, (laughs) top-secret beer place uh, where he can just walk in and talk to his good buddy AJ and uh, get a beer. By the way, if uh, anybody that works at AJ's or uh, is friendly with anybody that owns AJ's uh, would like to let them know that uh, apparently we really appreciate their company. Um, If they'd like to become an official sponsor, uh, we'd be more than happy to uh, take on that sponsorship. We can be paid uh, handsomely in beer. Uh, We will give them a commercial every podcast, uh, although they will have to uh, decide on slotting um, from our other soon-to-be sponsor, uh, Tony. Uh, If you're looking for (laughs) a good friend, uh, Tony's your guy. Um, Sponsorship coming soon. Thank you for Tony to Tony for being one of our four listeners. Um, this one goes out to you, but uh, yeah, this uh, this has a five on the sweetness scale. Now I don't know what that scale actually means, but uh, I mean it kind of tastes like someone took uh, a bland hard cider and then just put it in a in a Vitamix with a glazed donut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of it. Well. On that note, we should probably just meet at AJ's one day and just go through the cooler together and pick out some stuff. We should. So we can do that. (laughs) Well, you know, we have been on our episodes trying to avoid current politics, but I think our talk before this means that our next episode is going to be current politics. And (laughs) it's probably going to be one of the episodes we most disagree on. I mean, we've... Since we last met, there's been some news. Uh, The greedy, greedy, greedy Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Um, And sorry, uh, I am registered Democrat, probably more identify as an independent. But I had a string of tweets that I must point out about this before our main topic. Um, I just love how there's so much uh, fire coming from your side of the microphone and I'm, I'm just going to sit back and, and let you have your moment. <laughs> All right. So let, let's talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg for a second. Um, Obama tried to convince her to step down from the bench and she didn't. And that was a very greedy decision on her part. And I'm going to speak ill of the dead right now oh. because she had some facts at her point about how many times after a party has held the White House for two years. The party continues to hold the White House after those two years. And uh, in the past 50 years, it's happened once. Yeah. So she knew that and decided not to step down, thinking that, I don't know, that the Democrats were just going to be permanently in power and that she was going to live forever. So, as much as I hate that Trump's getting a third judge during his four-year term, uh, it's kind of her fault. Oh, you're blaming her? 
Yeah, she should have stepped down under Obama. So before we came on air, um, I learned something shocking about you, and that's that you've never really watched The West Wing. So you might you're probably not going to get this reference, but uh, maybe one of our four listeners actually will. I feel that Obama blew his West Wing moment because in the West Wing, literally what happened in his final year term was scripted out for him in um, the West Wing in which there is a um, very liberal Supreme Court justice who has a declining health much like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then all of a sudden, a conservative, the most conservative judge on the Supreme Court dies out of the blue. And in the West Wing, it's brilliant. And because the what they were going to do was appoint, you know, a moderate to replace the ultra conservative. And the, the crux of the episode is... Um, they're afraid of uh, not getting the liberal justice to step down because he may pass away or lose his faculties under a different president. And he's just being very stubborn because he wants someone as liberal as him to take his place. And the way the episode goes, you know, now they have, you know, this conservative justice who dies and, you know, they're going to replace him, you know, with a moderate. And then the whole thing comes out about how the really liberal justice was actually really good friends with the ultra conservative justice and the best so was Ginsburg and Scalia. It was exactly Ginsburg and Scalia. And in the end, what they end up doing is they make a deal and they get him to step down by finding a justice who is even more liberal than him and then finding a different justice who is incredibly conservative. And then they find out that the two nominees, you know, the ultra conservative and the ultra liberal were actually friends and either went to school together or clerked together or something. And they have the, the turning point of the episode is they have this vigorous debate in the hall and they're like, whoa, 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 you know, guys stop arguing. They're like, oh no, this is great. Yeah. We don't see eye to eye, but we both believe the country needs to go in this direction. And it's like, beautiful and perfect and it's exciting and you know it's everybody wins and it's what politics is supposed to be two different sides of the same coin but coming together to advance us forward and it's Sorkin's amazing belief of how he thinks things actually work right and it's one of those like Obama had that moment like we could have had our West Wing but literally just go to that episode and it should be like okay yeah, get here's, Ginsburg here's to step down to nominate Gorsuch and uh, another judge, you know, during that uh, Scalia's replacement and right and Ginsburg's replacement as a package. Right. But all right, really quick. But sorry, you want to keep going about uh, Ginsburg? No, I just want to give you my tweet, like the actual fact here. So (laughs) since 1952, there's been seven presidential elections after one party holds office for eight years. Okay. Only one of those did that party then continue to hold office and it was bush senior and he only held office for four years before clinton now a quick correction on that 
Obama was in office at the time, so there's only six times. That's still less than a 20% chance that the Democrats maintained office after Obama, and she took the risk. She, she also took the risk the knowing from a health standpoint that she might not even make it another four years. Yeah, see even, what you even... about Kennedy, but I think he took the risk of thinking that Trump's not going to get reelected, and the only way they get the conservative spot to stay is, you know, would Kennedy have made it another eight years on the court? Right. So say what you will about Kennedy. And then another quick fact, because the presidential debates were this week and majority of news sites, even Fox News, are saying Biden won that absolutely horrendous debate, which, uh, God, I, I don't know if I can sit through another one of that. Since 1952, an incumbent president has run for election, re-election 10 times. Only three of those times have they not won. The odds are actually in Trump's favor to win re-election. That's true. And Only a 70-30 split, but... Yeah. We'll see. Um, I, I will say, any news outlet that claims anybody won the debate is showing their bias no one won the debate to claim that someone won i mean come on were we watching the same thing it was literally two children yelling at each other with a substitute teacher who had no fucking business being there and didn't understand what they were doing and just wanted to be a part of the argument as well i mean the the interruptions going back and forth it was america at its worst chris wallace could not keep control of it and honestly didn't even try to keep well, control of it. He stoked you know, the fire a couple times. He I'll add this. So Joe Rogan has apparently said he wants to run one of the debates. And I know that they're at least on the left, uh, there's been some attacks on Joe Rogan. I don't love his show. I don't hate his show. Um, I've been introduced to some very interesting uh, characters from his show. Like I really do like Graham Hancock and some of his beliefs about uh, ancient culture. Um, but he also has interviewed both people on the right and the left. He had Bernie Sanders on the show. I mean, like, and it was a highly rated show. Um, I think Joe maybe doesn't push enough, but I think he'd be a decent moderator. But there's a better moderator out there. After the first debate, Arnold Schwarzenegger has offered to be the moderator for the next debate. I mean, it would be better than who they have lined up. I, I think Arnold would slap both of them. Shut up. This one's talking. Then oh, come on. One. You can't say that. Like, Be quiet. I'll I come mean, up Arnold's, there and lift you. Arnold's a Republican who was governor of California, so he's California. pretty much a Democrat. He's not a Republican. <laughs> um but he made his wealth not from acting, but from um, land ownership. He used all of his acting money to buy condominiums, which he then rented and then bought more condominiums from. That's actually how Arnold's made his money. He is actually a successful businessman, um, unlike our current president. Uh, but that's a different topic. Um, You're right. And, being a billionaire is not being successful. Continue, Jake. Uh we're saving that for another podcast. That's another podcast. So I think Arnold would be an interesting character to have running the debates. He's even offered to finance opening up some of the closed polling stations with his own finances, which I think gets into a very slippery slope of 
privately funded <laughs> uh, polling station. So different, <laughs> a completely different story there. But uh, and I mean, his daughter's married to Chris Pratt, who is politically undeterminable, but probably a Republican based on a lot of the beliefs Chris Pratt holds too. So hmm. I actually thought about that. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing a debate moderated by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get Jesse the Body Ventura in there too, and you really got a moderator crew. I think in this day and age, it is almost impossible for us to find moderators that are truly unbiased. Oh yeah, and I think, I think the the debate commission or whatever that governing body is that decides. Um, these that sets up the debates while they are grossly corrupt um, and no one can convince me otherwise. Um, how do you not have a candidate that's on the ballot in all 50 states not be allowed to participate in oh, the debates? Yeah, I mean, Gary Johnson should have been on the debate stage in 2016. 100%. Um, Joe Jorgensen should be on the debates now. Um, did the this... Libertarian Party make all 50 states this year? It did. Um, okay. Although I wasn't sure the, if they the did. Democrats, the Democrats are trying to get them kicked out of a couple states. Um, one of them is they're claiming that the Libertarians missed the filing dead bu- deadline by 14 seconds. Speaking of filing deadlines, uh, did you hear that Kanye might get kicked off in another state because his people went out to get signatures to get him on the ballot and? literally told the people that were signing that by signing this, they were keeping Kanye off the ballot. There is so much voter fraud going on this year. Maybe, okay. Maybe voter fraud is too strong a word. There's so much deception (laughs) around this election from both sides. They're both wrong. It's all a fucking mess. There was someone who won a Republican primary who's actually a Democrat, but they run the primary by not talking about any policies and just like sent out pictures of them in front of an American flag. Uh, Which one has got to be transgender anarchist who won the Republican primary for county sheriff? Um, Maybe. Yeah, because it was was that or it was it was um, state senate. So there's a sheriff one that was a transgender anarchist who ran on the Republican ticket unopposed. And so she maybe maybe that's what uh, that county needs. I mean, that that Republican Party needs a little bit of a shakeup. I mean, I'm sorry if if the if the local Republican Party was that incompetent to let that happen. I mean, well, who knows? Maybe that Republican Party is that progressive and that's who they felt would best represent the Republican values. I'm not going to judge. Hey, good on them. But okay, we've probably had too much current politics. Hey, it's this is this is the world we live in. I mean, so so if you caught my quick starting line, we're talking about one Mr. Alexander Hamilton today. Yes. And we're bringing this is going to be a fun episode. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to start bringing in some other things like political theory at some point. But today we're going to cover what if Hamilton didn't die in the duel? What if the duel never happened? Pretty much what happened? What would have happened if Hamilton survived? And I think this is going to be a new series based. Yeah, a series within our podcast that's basically alternate history acts. So, yeah, 
Uh, I've got another one for us at some point that is, what if the South never fired at Fort Sumter triggering the Civil War? I think that would be a a fun one. But Hamilton lives. What happens? Hamilton Uh, lives. It's interesting. So so going into this, so I was the one that originally threw out this idea about talking about this because after um, the... um, when the Broadway musical first came out, of course, like everybody, I got obsessed with it and then fell into Hamilton and did all this research into Hamilton, stumbled across a little article about, you know, what if Hamilton lived? And I've been obsessed with that ever since. And, you know, thinking about it, well, to in anticipation of our podcast, I decided I'm actually going to do research and try and find as many fan fiction articles basically anything that anybody has written about uh you know the alternate future of hamilton you know living and i have to say one i've gotten to some deep parts of the internet that most people will never find um that is where the weirdness lives not talking about the depraved part that's deep down. I'm talking, you know, we're we're just a couple layers down into the crust. Like just, you know, things that people write that normally don't ever see the light of day. Um, and I will say I had a particular idea and viewpoint of what the world would look like with Hamilton, you know, if Hamilton lived. And I have to say, I found so many different tracks of what different people believe the world would go in like the direction of the united states would have gone in had he lived that i don't necessarily believe exactly what i believed before but maybe for the point of the podcast i'll just go with my original one because that's the one that i have most fledged out but i mean what i've come across and like from doing research on this topic um is i've seen uh, like I learned about the most, you know, radical different view that America would take if Hamilton lived to nothing would have changed. And we, I can get into, you know, we can get into the what nothing had changed, you know, nothing would have changed. And the basically the beliefs behind that, because that's just a that's that's a short <laughs> alternate history. What would have happened if he lived and like nothing. Nothing would have changed. Everything would have been the same. And the viewpoints that they point to with that. So I have two. I think I have two potential timelines if Hamilton lives. So let's go with the, the more boring one. Hamilton's political capital is spent. He can't ever become president. Um. He either settles for governor of New York and does some pretty crazy things in New York that really changes the lifespan of New York and our relationship to the city, potentially causes New York to split into two separate states, um, downstate and upstate, whatever you want to call it, Um, or he remains in law. I think either way, he remains in law early on and... He tries to be a lawyer at Burr's um, treason trial when he goes to the Supreme Court for treason against the United States. And he argues hard for Burr 
to be committed for treason based on, I mean, Hamilton knew the Federalist Papers, he knew the Constitution, he could have argued it, and right. Burr actually does get charged for treason in this world. Uh, okay. We have our only case ever of someone in the United States actually being charged for treason. It actually becomes a major Supreme Court decision, and a lot of Hamilton's court decisions become super popular uh, from his time in the court, and then a lot of I think he ends up in front of the Supreme Court again to make a lot of rulings on some of the things he tries to do in New York while governor, if that's the situation. And Hamilton becomes famous for all of the court cases that are cited because of Hamilton. That's situation number one. Does he eventually get like appointed to the Supreme Court or to a federal judge position? I think he actually settles for the power of governor of New York state because he vastly increases the power of the governorship while he's there, which spreads across other states. He pretty much brings, so he was a big federalist that believed yeah. uh, national power should be stronger. Well, when he can't get national power, he becomes a state's rights person to collect his power within New York because I think Hamilton was more driven by power than we like to give him credit for. He was not exactly a morally good person. Um, so that's where I think he is. I don't think he ends up on the Supreme Court. I think he either becomes an anti-federalist by becoming the leader of a state mm -hmm. or just becomes a very important lawyer. But I think either way. Burr ends up getting tried by tr tried and convicted for treason if Hamilton lives. Okay. So I think he would use that grudge to take him down. Now, the other one, Hamilton becomes president. I think if he becomes president, he goes for a complete power grab, does not follow Washington's uh, footsteps, continues to run for president for multiple years. I think he gets three or four terms out of it if he's popular enough and i believe hamilton's decisions well uh president lead to direct results that prevent the civil war from happening because hamilton literally creates the federal reserve or expands the federal reserve as president to own state debt completely to the point that the South cannot separate from the union because their money is locked up in the federal government. And if they separated, they would not have the money to found an army and become their own states. I think federalism is vastly expanded if Hamilton becomes president. Okay. Okay. Those are my two opinions. So... My, I'll start with the, um, the, um, the nothing changes if Hamilton lives. So, cause this one's kind of, it's interesting, but kind of boring. Um, along your lines, the, his political capital is spent. It's destroyed. Um, be, mainly because of the Reynolds pamphlet and everything Thomas Jefferson did to him. And basically 
he holds no position because of the death of his son. He's just kind of, he, he recesses into himself. You know, there's many writings about, you know, how hard he took the death of his son. Um, how a lot of people believed it, you know, changed his worldview. I believe he goes back and he practices law, but he just sort of, he's defeated. He has his wife. And for the first time in his life, he settles down. And the reason why I say that is, um, there's a lot of conflicting. It's basically, in my opinion, the way the alternate history goes depends on what you think actually happened in the duel. So did he throw away his shot or did he miss? And if he threw away his shot, what was the what was the implication of him throwing away the shot? Now, there's many different competing beliefs with what throwing away a shot meant. Some believe that it was meant as an insult to your opponent. Um, others believe, you know, it was a, you know, it was a sign of if two people, you know, if, if you threw away your shot, you're not a threat. Um, the other person should respond in kind because, you know, to end to end a duel, um, you know, you have to fire the weapon to basically prove your, you know, prove your manhood or whatever. Um, you know, you can't wuss out, so you have to pull the trigger. But if you shoot into the ground or shoot into the sky, you know, it's basically, um, you know, you're you're basically saying I'm, I'm not going to participate in this, but out of good faith, I'm I'm still discharging my weapon. Um, although I've read a lot that says that uh, his shot, while it did go up, um, went up and slightly over Burr's head. So there's a lot of people that say he just, um, or the fact that Burr was quicker and Hamilton got hit first and that's why he missed up and that he had every intention of shooting Burr between the eyes. Um, yeah. So I read something about duels while reading up on Hamilton a little bit that like, if you really wanted to throw away your shot, you were supposed to like aim for over the shoulder because it meant like, all right. We, we shot at each other. Neither of us killed each other. It's settled. But if you shoot straight up at the sky, that is when it's meant to be an insult because it's like, you're not even good enough for me to shoot at you. Right. So, and, and, and I then also, this gets down to what Hamilton was actually doing. Was he right. shooting in the sky? Was he shooting over his shoulder? Was he shooting at him? And did he miss? Yeah. And there's also, um, and then there's a the third way to, um, give up your shot, which was shooting directly into the ground. And I think probably one of the the biggest creative licenses that um, the musical takes into account is the duel with um, Hamilton's son. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause in the musical it's, you know, the Hamilton's son's opponent fires early and kills him when in real life, Hamilton told his son to fire into the ground and discharge. Just don't lift up the gun, discharge it into the ground. Your opponent will do the same. That'll be the end of it. By witness accounts, what happened was they counted to 10 and then two men just stood there for like a couple minutes, just staring at each other. And then Hamilton 
went to go raise his weapon, which some people believe he was raising it to fire it into the ground. But when he raised it, his opponent panicked because he thought they were just going to discharge into the ground. But no man wanted to do it first. You're like, you do it. No, you do it. So when Hamilton went to go lift his pistol, his opponent thought, oh, my gosh, he he's going back on his word. He's going to shoot me. And then he shot. him. Um, but we know for a fact that Alexander Hamilton did not shoot into the ground. He shot up. Was yes. it up and away or was it up and towards, um, you know, or was it straight up or was it straight up? Um. I I like the idea of Hamilton um, becoming president. There's two alternative histories I have with Hamilton becoming president. One gets a lot darker than um, than the other. And uh, I'll go with. I'll go with that one first. Um, and it's that Hamilton actually gets the shot off first and he kills Burr. So the roles are reversed. Um, in that scenario, Hamilton kills Burr. Thomas Jefferson is basically relieved that he doesn't have to deal with Burr for the next couple years. Or whatever it was. Um, Congress appoints Madison to be Jefferson's VP. Or however it would work back then. Because I don't know if they had changed the rules yet or not. Burr was still VP at that time. so And and Jefferson had to change the rules for the next election, right? No. So... Basically, the way my thought process goes is um, that happens. Jefferson um, does indeed run for a second term. That goes the way it goes. But I mean, it was widely known that Jefferson's second term was not successful. And by the end of it, politically, he had lost a lot of capital and he was pretty much burned out. So I think given enough time from Hamilton's Reynolds pamphlet and all of that after Jefferson presidency, I think at that time had Hamilton not died in the duel, I think his political capital is huge. Um, He endorsed Jefferson during um the election of 1800 yeah i think that would have worked in his favor people would have seen him as you know coming you know back to center whatever that would you know meant back then you know okay well he was a federalist but you know he can work with the you know the democratic republicans so um maybe he's not as extreme as we thought and i think he could have softened and or hidden a lot of those uh, federalist beliefs and tendencies that he had um, early on that would have hurt him politically. Now, a lot of what I read, you know, said that he was toxic and, you know, there's no way he would have ever become president, even if he won, because uh, people knew what he believed. But I truly believe after after a 
Thomas Jefferson's second term. Madison didn't really have an opponent. Well, let's just be clear for a second. Jefferson was a state's right anti-federalist who expanded the powers of the president exponentially. Like, was he actually allowed to complete the Louisiana Purchase? So, yeah, I mean, maybe Hamilton would have easily been able to come back from that because Jefferson didn't really practice what he preached. Right. And I think people would have seen that at the end. And this is where I go with, um, you know, like maybe it's um, because of, you know, if Hamilton kills Burr, um, you know, he ends up, um, he ends up appointing, uh, um, he ends up appointing Madison as his VP. So then in the next election, he ends up running with Madison as his VP instead of uh, George Clinton. Um, and then it muddies the waters for Madison running as president in whatever it was. And then I think that's prime for Alexander Hamilton to run. And the founding fathers believed that Hamilton would become president because they put the Hamilton clause in the constitution. You know, you can't be president unless you're a natural born citizen, unless you, you were a citizen, were a 14... citizen at, at the time in which we became a nation. <laughs> Hamilton clause. Yeah. Um, so I and I think. Hamilton becoming president immediately after Jefferson completely changes what the United States of America looks like. First off, if we're going to go over like major things, the first thing we have to talk about is the war of 1812. Um, I think Hamilton as president, instead of Madison during the war of 1812, we win hands down. Um, Hamilton was a veteran, a brilliant tactician. Madison couldn't tell his, rifle from you know fucking ass um i think i mean one people love to i mean canadians love to point out the fact that you know they're like oh war of 1812 you know we kicked your ass first off it wasn't canadians that we were fighting it was the british second there was really only one decisive battle that the British won during the War of 1812 when they marched to Washington and they burned the White House. Um, they literally lost almost every major conflict other than that one during the war. Um, it was very much you know, a stalemate at the end, and that's why nothing really changed in terms of borders. I think if you have a Hamilton presidency, I think we don't only um, – defend and kick the british back i think there's the possibility that canada would have been basically annexed by the u.s and never would have formed into an independent country and ends up being you know the first expansion of the u.s going north instead of going south and to the west i don't even know if it would have been annexed as much as hamilton would have pulled a hard negotiation that said no 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 we don't trust the british even being here 
part of your terms of surrender is you give Canada to us. Turn over the colonies of Canada and becomes and then we become the United because States of North America. We tried to get Canada during the revolution. We right. put a clause into the Articles of Confederation to allow Canada to join us. There were enough New Englanders living in Canada that we had unclear borders with Canada at that time. So I think it would have been possible you know, that we could have seen Maine extend super far up north today yeah. if Hamilton had become president. And then so the next po- next big point um, that I actually I want to have a discussion about, and I want to get your input into what you think of this one, because um, this the the country can go into two different directions. And I, I see it when I think about basically, you know, what does the world look like after a Hamilton presidency? Um, where my head goes is to like man in the high castle as an alternate history. And like, but like, that's the level of what I see, you know, as a, you know, an alternate view of the U S had Hamilton lived just in a different way. And, the reason why I say, you know, my mind goes to Man in the High Castle because we know Hamilton was adamantly against slavery. Now, did he sacrifice his moral beliefs for political gain? Yeah, he was totally willing to compromise with the um, three-fifths compromise and be like, look, I'm totally against slavery. Oh, wait, you're going to you're going to allow me to, uh, you know set up wall street and you know get my you know state debt and all all of that yeah yeah sure three-fifths and you can have the capitol building sure that's great whatever fantastic um so we know he was scrupulous and you know would do whatever he needed to do to get what he wanted however he was completely against slavery and i see him as president forcing that issue um and where my head goes is the civil war taking place um, when it does in what was it, 1880s or is it 1860s? Uh, 1860s. Like 1860s. I see the civil war taking place in the 1860s. The South is significantly weaker financially, economically, politically than they were in the early stages of the country um so where my head goes is that he forces the issue of abolishing slavery but because we're so soon off of the revolution the southern states are still very wealthy still have very strict ties and um have a stronger more well less damaged military than the north has because the north suffered you know more direct conflict during the um yeah revolutionary war so i see hamilton forcing the issue of slavery and basically forcing the civil like forcing the civil war into um into being 
40 years before it actually happened, 50 years before it actually happened. And what I see happening, because Jefferson is still alive, the South actually has a strong leader and founding father to try and rally behind. And basically say, Hamilton's a Federalist. He's trying to create the strong federal government and abolish slavery and abolish our way of life. And the South actually has still has their founding fathers, their strength of military and their financial. And I see basically the civil war happening and the union not winning. And we end up having the United States of North America and the Confederated States of America or whatever you want to call it with, you know, basically a divide going across the country and the Confederate States comprising Mexico. And so, not having unified North American continent. I have three thoughts that come to mind on this. Thought number one, um, Hamilton, Virginia was the most populous state during this time. Hamilton wanted to split Virginia up because of that. Um, I could see him attempting that as president, which could have caused things to go differently. Um, we end up with the self-separating, becoming the Confederacy of North America or whatever they end up calling it. I think in that case, long term, the South cannot agree to a constitution to be a collection of states. They get more of an Articles of Confederation and they're a weak union and a lot of in-state fighting ends up happening in the South. Um, that That's another thought that comes to mind. On your point of him forcing the Civil War, I, I do think Hamilton was maybe a little bit more of a tactician than you're giving him credit for, especially financially. And I potentially could have seen the Hamilton come and say, whoa, 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 slaves are coming into Florida or whatever state, let's say Georgia, and then they're going to North Carolina, uh, all these other states. That's cross-state commerce. The United States government has some says in cross-state commerce. So we're going to allow you to have your slaves under the stipulation you can't buy them outright. You have to buy them on five-year federal loan programs that have interest. So it's actually the federal government's money buying the slaves and then you pay us back with interest for this property. And he slowly uses that increasing interest rates to make it financially impossible to continue the slave trade. Interesting. To jump off of that point, I see that as the initial thought process. And then I fast forward the track like 50 years and slavery still exists. And the government is realizes that they're making too much money off of it. So they find a way to keep it in practice. And then I think this would be cool. We get to basically it goes on so long to like the 19, we get to like the 1940s and that's when the civil war happens. 
We're going to go off a complete deep end, but if we had slavery when Hitler rose to power, do you think we would have still teamed with the Allied powers? Here's a question. Would Hitler have actually ran to power? Because yeah. Hitler only comes to power if World War I happens. Well, World War, so I think World War I happens regardless of what the U.S. status is at that point. The question is, does World War, do we still get involved in World War I? And I don't know in the world we have just set up if the U.S. ends up getting involved in World War I or if World War I ends in almost a true stalemate and without Woodrow Wilson pushing through the um, League of Nations and a lot of the restrictions he put on, the restrictions don't get put onto Germany, which lead directly to the results of the rise of Nazism in Germany. How about this? World War One kicks off, and that somehow sparks the Civil War within the United States. That could be—I mean, in the world we've created, I could see that with yeah. a because you have no Canada, so that's part because that's part of the United States. You would have a North and South divide still, I believe. Yeah, and I believe I believe in the one we created, um, especially with your view of Hamilton scrupulous and figuring out a way to basically you know federal federalize you know through taxes and money the slave trade i see mexico being folded into the u.s and mexico consists of like four or five states that are the united states it within the united states of north america like i see the entire north american continent as one super country super country and and then I with World War One happening, I see that basically kicks off a division within America, and you still have that North-South divide. Um, and maybe it's not as clear cut as it was in 1860. You know, now maybe it goes, you know, obviously it goes all the way coast to coast, or maybe it goes in an angle. Um, but. I see us not like under this scenario that we just created. I don't see us getting involved in World War One. I. I see our problems, you know, dealing with our problems. And whereas World War One ends up reaching a stalemate, I see America reaching a stalemate and deciding almost like, um, you know, Korea. Look, we, split. we just we just can't. We split. We never really sign a treaty like true north south korea type type divide so that leads me to two things and sorry i'm trying to pull into my history brain and i'm forgetting whether this is world war one or world war two do you remember was it one or two that germany tried to get mexico to attack the united states and we uh intercepted the message and that was part of the reason we joined the war. Um, You're actively Googling it, I think. I am. I am. Hold on. Let me... When did Germany... I don't know. See, this one I wish, like... If we did these live, we could have one of our four listeners maybe listen live with us, and then they could tweet at us. Yeah. Well... Um... 
The Zimmerman Telegraph. Yes. Uh, I wanted to call it the Zapruder Telegraph, and I knew that wasn't the right term. That's the JFK assassination. 1917. Proposed a military military alliance between Germany and Mexico. Here's the thing. Mexico doesn't exist in this situation. Germany never proposes the alliance with Mexico. That changes things. Does the Lusitania get synced? Do we continue? You know, there's so much that changes. I think the other thing that... uh, this supercontinent that you're explaining, you know, spanning Canada, uh, it's still the 1900s, down the east and central, east coast, central United States and Mexico becomes a supercontinent. And, you know, one of the things I've tweeted out recently as a, a thought process that I'm having is, you know, we've all heard too big to fail. What if there's a point where you become too big to succeed? And I think... I question sometimes, and this is bringing it into current politics, if we've reached a point where the federal government has so much control and each state has so little rights that we are now too big to succeed because we're trying to force views that don't fit every citizen of every state onto every citizen of every state. Um, I would agree with that sentiment. I think the same concept to that we've presented the country you're explaining, I think, is too big to succeed as a single country, especially under the extreme federalism that Hamilton would have set up to get us to that point. Right. So just to just to dip the toe into current politics, I think one of the things that explains why we're in this shitty position we are in as a country right now is because at some point along the way, we got comfortable with the idea that we are one united nation and forgot the fact that we are in all honesty a collection of 50 separate independent states each with its own beliefs and cultures and um way of practicing law and all of that and at some point i'm not i'm not saying every state needs to be its individual country but America is the grand experiment because it's can we balance the two things? And I feel like we're in the position we're in right now because we lost sight of that. In the world we created, Hamilton would have set it up so that the federal government was the end all be all. I am the Senate. Right. Uh, no, I am the Senate. You know, just while we're on politics, look. Uh, l- current politics here for a second you know i've identified myself before as a state's rights democrat and i I think part of the reason is because personally i would love to live in a state that has more democratic leaning vision and programs but i also realize that my view cannot apply to a country as vast as the united states and we are 50 separate states that should have some autonomy, especially constitutionally, we have the Tenth Amendment, which is extremely ignored by the federal government, that uh, gives all rights not guaranteed by the Constitution to the states to have purview to. Right. And but we're going to find loopholes on that. We're going to find loopholes, and we're going to give you funding, and then we're going to tell you we're going to take the funding away if you don't do what we say. Oh yeah, we're going to find a ton of loopholes to get past that simple little 
loophole of, oh, shit, we gave the states too much power. We can't have this. Uh, right. Well, so. I think the biggest mistake that people make is, and we, we can get back to our our alternate history world, is if we look at countries in Europe and we go, well, look how strong their federal government is. And that's the wrong view. Like Americans shouldn't look at England or um, Sweden or France or any individual country and say, look, this is what they're doing. This is what we need to do. No, if you want to compare it to Europe, you have to compare it to the EU because by saying like, oh, my gosh, look, look what the Netherlands are doing. Yeah, it's about the size of Tennessee. When you have that small of a population, that small of a landmass, yeah, you can do a lot more than when you're going the, you know, 50 individual states, two of which aren't even close to the fucking, you know, landmass. Yeah. One's one's an island chain in the middle of the Pacific, and the other one is is the biggest mistake Russia ever made. Oh yeah, you can have it for uh, three dollars and a bottle of vodka. It's uh, there's nothing there. Holy shit, we struck oil. Dimitri, you piece of shit. You said there's nothing there but caribou and bears. I hate bears. Now we tried to invade and Sarah Palin watching us from her porch. <laughs> she got her gun ready, her telescope. She watched us from porch. I don't uh, need that shit. Sorry to our Russian viewers that are listening for, I don't know, some reason. Uh, no, I, uh, to, you know, to, I, to my boy Putin, because uh, I know you're listening because you're a huge fan of the, the Blue Moose Tavern. Um, Come on down to Rochester. I'll buy you a bottle of vodka. We'll drink. It'll be fun. The 50% of me that's Russian will come out and we'll have a good time. No radiation in it. No radiation at all. Uh, you you do that to others. Sorry, I didn't say that, Vlad. I did not say that. Um, we can take them out together. Uh, no, I think, you know, to, your, to that same point of, you know, comparing things to the EU, you, the United States is at the same time both a relatively young nation and not a relatively young nation. Um, because, you know, we, we try to say that we're old, but then we have to look at, like, France and Great Britain, but then we have to remember, like, Italy and Germany were countries that were incorporated after America was incorporated. The EU's only been around for 50-something years, and that's probably the closest thing to the United States. And they're already having their first successful uh, succession, secession from the right. government with the UK leaving again. And well, Europe has experienced during that time multiple civil wars within its own countries, two world wars the attacks on U.S. and, to be honest, North American soil, Canada and Mexico, from outside people have been few and far between. We've had our own civil war. We've had our own violence, but we've only had one civil war. Right. We've never been to war, really, with Canada. or We've had a couple wars with Mexico, but not recently. No, There's... and, that, and you know, that was during expansion and... Yeah, what, you know, was early birth, Pearl Harbor, and nine eleven. I, I can't name another attack on our soil from, and it's, and it's one of those. Can you? I mean, 
nine eleven is an interesting one to bring up because it's is is that is that a wartime attack or I mean I mean I guess you can argue it's it's what war is nowadays a, a decentralized enemy yeah and I know, mean versus like... a versus a centralized one I mean and Pearl Harbor is an interesting one too and you know there's always the um you know the questions as to why did why did the Japanese not continue their assault? And I know there's there's that one rumor that the Japanese realized that uh, they could never win a land assault against the United States because there are more citizens armed per capita than the entire Japanese army. But... And I mean... We're also I mean, really fucking far away. Like, that's... We're <laughs> far away instead of having... 14 countries we've got three in right. our area that have been at relative peace the entire time north america has not really had a giant war at all um i mean for our it, differences we make fun of canadians and we make fun of mexico but we all pretty get it we get along pretty good i've you know we make fun of canada but i tell you you build a high-speed rail that goes from New York City to Albany, then it goes from Albany to uh, Montreal, Quebec, uh, that area, to Toronto, Toronto to Buffalo, Buffalo to Rochester, Rochester to Syracuse, Syracuse to Albany. You create a super corridor of trade between the United States and Canada at that point. You could Remember have when people... we had the fast ferry? That's a different story. <laughs> that was poorly done. But I, I mean, like, think about it. If we had a high-speed rail that it took, you could park at the station and be in Buffalo in 40 minutes or Toronto in an hour. You could live, literally live in Rochester and work in Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, or Toronto and have a uh, decent commute. Um, it would... You want to go for a shopping weekend in Toronto, you hop on the train, you're there in an hour, you spend a weekend there. I mean, I made a joke. I had to go to Toronto for work last year, and I had a coworker with me, and I had just read an article about people in California who spend four hours commuting one way over three modes of transportation, a taxi, a train, and a bus. And driving to Toronto, I was like, I'm taking one mode of transportation and it's taking me less time. I could live in Rochester and work in Toronto and have a lower commute than people in California. Right. So what if, um, I know we're way off topic. We are. What I've always, yeah. (laughs) If you're new to the podcast, what the fuck are you doing here? Start at the beginning. Thank you. It'll all make sense. Thank you for listening. But But thank you. Jake will be the nice one. I'll be the one that say, why haven't you bought us a new round? Uh, um, but what about like uh, like a channel project under the under Lake Ontario? I don't know how deep Lake Ontario is. I don't know if it's feasible. But uh, yeah, I don't. I really don't know. We tried the fast I, ferry that didn't work, but maybe a tunnel under the entire lake. I, think, I mean, but Elon Musk, Buffalo, Elon. Too. No, fuck Buffalo. Start it in Rochester, go straight to Toronto. We don't need Buffalo. Buffalo can 
beats a little shithole on the on the nose dick tip of New York State. As you can tell, I'm a true Rochesterian, and they can go fuck themselves. Um, but I think a like a tunnel project under Lake Ontario that links Toronto and Rochester because the fast ferry linked Toronto and Rochester and like the first two voyages they did were successful and they fucked the whole thing up after that. But I mean, that's the, that's the direct connection. And um, I think if one of our four listeners happens to be Elon Musk, I mean, we got, we got, we're in good company. We got Putin, Elon Musk and uh, Tony as our main listeners. Um, but uh, and I mean, Tony's going to get the most done in his life out of those three. <laughs> Absolutely. But Elon, if you're listening, or someone has access to Elon Musk and shares our uh, our pathetic little podcast with him, um, we are diehard Rochesterians, and I know you want to build tunnels under California and uh, L.A. and all of that, but uh, we need your genius and your skill set and your boring machine build a tunnel connecting Rochester to Toronto because uh, that would be fantastic. I think that one, if if you're listening, first of all, I have to apologize for the podcast I did earlier today where I made fun of your brain trip and you the fact that you're going to be implanting Musk thoughts into our heads. Uh, I I guess I'll accept Musk thoughts if you're going to come help, but (laughs) here's, here's the pitch outright. We're not on fire. And we have the U of R, RIT, we got Fisher, which is a pretty good college too, and a couple community colleges right here. You could recruit good talent here. Datto is in Rochester, New York, along with New York City. Tesla, I know you're building their shingles in Buffalo, but bring some business to Rochester, man. We got the talent you're looking for right here and no fires. No fires. Totally That's fine. A selling point. No fires, and, no tornadoes, no hurricanes. We get some snow, but it's not as bad as Buffalo. We're the perfect spot for you, Elon. There's old Kodak buildings you can take over and repurpose and probably underground tunnels in them that we don't know about. And probably, I know you like, potentially, you claim you're an environmentalist with the Tesla tiles. There, There's... There's pathways that lead right to Ontario, so you can dump all your toxic waste right into it. <laughs> we won't mind. Kodak did it for years. Yeah. Look, Jake's got uh, background in phones and IT and stuff I don't understand. He can help you out. I'm a business guy. I will tell you who to hire and who to talk to that has money because I don't really have any. And uh, got this you can get them to fundraise. Great open place that you can buy. It's called Marketplace Mall. I don't know if there's any businesses left in there anymore. Uh, we're actually well, putting a hospital into yeah, it. Yeah, are putting a hospital in it. Because that's what you do with malls, mall. right? So, uh, yeah, you can buy that. Just one condition. Bring us an Alamo Draft House for when we can have movie theaters again. <laughs> put that somewhere here too uh, thank you for well, listening we to our pitch Elon <laughs> now that we're way off topic we should probably get wrap up talking it. about Hamilton get back to Hamilton okay so well, so Civil War happens in like Civil War United States Civil War happens during World War One. Okay. I don't think I don't think World War Two happens because I don't think it, I don't think Germany gets blamed for it. I don't think they get put on um, 
all of that. Hitler stays as a you know just a Hail lowly earnest, yeah, lowly person in the German army. He goes back to Austria and he dies in obscurity. Um, but the, I mean, this world is very different because Israel never. If there's no World War II, Israel never gets formed. Nope, there's no Israel. It's questions of how the Middle East even gets split up because half of it were the Middle East gets split up when the Ottoman Empire falls during World War One. We end up with a completely different Middle East. Does the Middle East become like a mega nation like the United States? I can't tell you. I mean, it depends on what punishment is laid upon the Ottoman Empire and those areas because I think like a bunch of the Middle East countries formed right after World War One when a bunch of British people in a fancy room somewhere in England with some French people went, Yeah, line looks good there with now without them actually understanding any of the Middle East culture and they horribly split up the Middle East. Isn't that most of like how Africa's countries are formed? Yeah, I mean it, it's most <laughs> of how any place in Draw the world. a line here, sir. Yeah. There, there are two competing tribes there. That uh, if you put them within the same boundaries, they're going to kill each other. No, no. I, I like, I like straight angles. This is, this is going to work out. Ooh, a river. John in accounting. We already promised him a nice square plot of land for his accounting work, and that's the square we're going to give him. <laughs> that's an interesting world. It uh, a. Well, because oh, then World War One. Uh, who wins? Does the Axis win or do the Allies win without U.S. intervention? Um, okay, so let's let's do this. World War One happens. Oh God, does Italy stay on the Allies? Does Italy still go over to the Axis powers mid-war? Do, uh, okay, so key events that still happens. I think the Russian Czar still falls, which brings Russia out of World War One. Okay. Does Germany then attack Russia and annex part of Russia? Do we get a reverse East and West Berlin with it? I think we get. I think we get a reverse East Berlin. I think you get it with. I think you get an annexation of Russia. I think World War One. Ends in a stalemate when people are just, it goes on for longer, but people just get too tired of the death and kind of forget why they were fighting into the first place and end up signing some sort of treaty to end the war with actually nothing really changing. Maybe, mm-hmm. I mean, Germany's not, ger- the horrible plan of holding Germany responsible for the debt of the war does not happen. Right. Let's be clear about that. Maybe injuries get redrawn a little bit, but I, I think it ends up, it ends in a fizzle because people just get tired of the bombings and the gassing and, do you think it goes everything World War One? Everything goes back to the way it was before. Um, Relatively, I mean, I don't think it. We definitely don't end up with the failed League of Nations. We, man, a, a 
a world without Woodrow Wilson and the United States getting involved in World War One is just such a different world to think about because I feel like so much of the shit we are dealing with today is still a fallout from bad decisions of World War One. I mean, it was only a hundred years ago. And I I know for us a hundred years seems like an insane amount of time, but on the scale of civilizations, a hundred years is not a lot, and we are still dealing with the fallouts of World War One today. I think yeah. it's a crazier what if to imagine if World War One went differently than if Hamilton lived to me. Because I, so much is different. So and I think that the only way for World War One to have gone differently is for Hamilton to have lived and have changed the scope of the United States. But yeah, so that's... watch this. We're gonna we're, this is gonna end up being a two parter because we're gonna tail this into a second episode talking about World War One and how yeah. that goes with the U.S. with North America not getting involved. Yeah, we're going to have to set up an entire of where North America is, then do an entire discussion. And I got to do a little bit more research into it. But I think World War One goes different and the entire world is different. I mean, it was truly a world war and North America doesn't get involved. It still ends up just being called the Great War and just being so different. Yeah. I need to think on that. To go back to Hamilton, my my thought process is he dies in office. Yeah. But he doesn't serve like a lifetime appointment. I go with he to go with alternate history. I think Hamilton serves three terms gets i think it's fdr is what ends up happening i I said about four terms before he dies in office i say he serves three terms and shortly into the fourth term he dies and i think after he dies congress passes term limits on the president i think I think even though the federal government has more power and gets bolstered up under Hamilton, I think the underlying part of the United States has always been Congress and the Senate want, well, Congress wants more power than the president. It always has. I think it always will want it to be that way. So I think after a Hamilton multi, um, uh, multi-term presidency I think Congress goes we have all this power now but someone else could come in and take it away like they see what power Hamilton wielded and are afraid that someone else could come in because now the the um, viewpoint of Washington only serving two terms has been destroyed I- And I see Congress after Hamilton dies in office at the beginning of his fourth term. 
I see Congress going, we don't we want to hold on to this power. So we're going to limit the president and we're going to do it under the guise of uh, president should respect what Washington created, because I don't one thing about Hamilton's personality. I see people loyal to him while he's in front of them or while he's around. But once Hamilton's not around or has moved on to a different agency or is no longer alive, I see the allegiance just immediately going away. But this leads me to an interesting thought process. Uh, So I personally believe part of the reason it's so hard to amend the Constitution right now is just because two-thirds of 50 states is a lot more than two-thirds of, what, if Hamilton was president— 15 maybe 16 states at that time right like i think if hamilton was able to remain in office to a third term by that point his political clout would have gotten house and senate members that support him and he may have had enough two-thirds of the legislator to just completely change the constitution while he was president like i i don't know if the constitution ends up the same if hamilton's president i'm wondering if he's passing amendments left and right that are just passing his house and his senate so i don't know if it would be that easy because I still see the South not being fully – I don't see him having complete control over the South because Jefferson's still alive. Okay. Um, I, I just – we might have gotten a couple more amendments than we expected though. I, I think just, we would have gotten a couple more. You might have gotten – well, I say you might have gotten slavery passed, but at the same time, in our view, he's – created a money scheme for the federal government in the hope of ending slavery which then leads to our massive north america which i totally think needs to be made into a book or a movie by the way it's our idea so if you want to turn this into uh, a book or a movie uh we're consultants on it and we we'd like a small royalty fee and yeah you can do all the work that's fine um i see him i do i do see different amendments getting passed um I don't see now Hamilton originally advocated for the presidency should be a position for life. I don't see that becoming an amendment. No, I don't see that coming to fruition because one, I think Hamilton was arrogant enough that he would have felt that he wouldn't need to do it. No, and also it would have been financial, more financial amendments. Yeah. Like the financial code's not really well written into the constitution. And I think we would have seen that start to be more well written into the Constitution. I agree. Well, what an interesting world we've created, Jake. Yeah, I really want to do the research and just explore what the world is with a different World War One. Because, yeah, I, I will go on record saying I think we are still today experiencing the fallout from decisions in world war one. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Like, totally. I mean, the easiest correlation that 
um, I draw from direct consequences of world decisions made during World War One that lead to World War Two is if World War One and the aftermath of it changes even one little bit, you don't get Hitler. I mean, Hitler is a direct byproduct of literally every single bad decision, right or wrong, that happened during World War One. He was Austrian. He was a soldier that fought in Germany. The, in all of the memoirs and all of the writing about Hitler, the turning point for him was uh, when he was in the trenches fighting the British and they did the ceasefire over Christmas to come together and play soccer and all of that. And, I mean, he explicitly went off about that and he was like, we're at war. What the fuck do you think we're doing? And then like that framed his whole thinking going forward after the war of this country's broken. Their leaders are idiots. The people in charge of the military don't know what the fuck they're doing. We used to be great. Even though, even though he's Austrian, which the greatest, the greatest uh, uh, lie Austria ever told was that uh, Hitler was German. Uh, It's your fault. But, but see, but then they create the depression you know, end of World War One. It creates the depression in Germany. Hitler uses that, you know, to gain power. I mean, the whole thing gets set up. You take a, if, oh, if God, Germany, does the Great Depression happen without World War One? Like, um, I'm gonna say the Great Depression still happens because America gets thrown into its civil war. Geez. That's where I'm gonna go with. But the I mean, dust. I mean. Because the environmental things still happen. You have the Dust Bowl and um, massive loss of crops and farming in the Midwest. I I don't know. I mean, in the world we set up, our civil war happens during that time, causing more war-torn in America that may have happened in the Midwest, preventing farming in that area, potentially allowing some of the soil to recoup its needed masses during that war. But that's a different story. But then another thing I think of is World War I, completely different consequence. World War I ends differently. World War II ends, doesn't happen. America doesn't do gold backing to war bonds for Europe that in the 1970s we owed up on changing the gold standard for america to like it's it's just a completely different world if world war one ends differently i like it so we're going to need to do a part two is what you're is what yeah. you're saying yeah okay we, we need to do a part two we will do no, a I part th- two or a second segment of american history x where <laughs> We have now established the alternate reality of the United States of America. It is, we have started with Hamilton killing Aaron Burr in the duel. He goes on to become president after Jefferson. He forever changes the landscape of the United States through uh, financial amendments. He creates a federal money scheme with slavery, which not only does not get rid of it in a timely fashion, but it uh, makes it entrenched in the U.S. Uh, politics and might actually pro- proliferate it 
to new states and goes across. We win uh, the War of 1812. Canada becomes part of the United States. Mexico becomes part of the United States. We're a strong military power, but we're very divided. We make it our way all the way into the 1910s, 1920s, and when the Great War erupts in Europe, so does the American Civil War, because the southern states have had enough of the federal government pushing them around and controlling them financially. And that is, I guess, where we will leave off and pick up in our next uh, alternate history segment. Yeah, I just want to tease, you know, some of what we have coming at you. So we've now started these alternate history segments. We need to talk about what happens if World War One ends differently. We probably are going to have a current politics episode coming at you at some point. We have to actually get into the debates. Uh, the vice presidential debates, I think, are happening next week. Um, and, you know... News is just hitting us a thousand miles an hour. I think we can both have takes on Trump's tax returns. And I know things broke on Kushner and his Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, whatever loans that we can probably bring to you. And then on top of that, we want to start tackling political philosophies, like have an episode on democracy, communism, and then even economic systems, capitalism, um and things like that because their economic and political systems are both intertwined and not intertwined in the same way so and there's a lot of we, things that people mistake and misquote and yeah get wrong about them we got a lot coming at you there is i think enough current politics coming at you and i think you know as as we head into the election, as much as both of us claim we're moderates, I think we're being pulled more to our perspective sides on the political scale. Um, we both did the political compass test, and I'm a uh, left and libertarian and further libertarian from Bernie Sanders. So, um, I guess. I'm coming at you with a crazy amount of left <laughs> leftism, according to the uh, um, the political compass, <laughs> the political which, compass, which I, st I still think is uh, not not really good in what it predicts. But well, well let's just for... be honest with that test really quick. It's questions hasn't been updated in multiple election cycles now. Oh, my so... God. The questions. My problem is for someone who studied at university and professionally had to create um, surveys and both, you know, like marketing surveys and focus group surveys and all of that, um, I can spot bias within questions and I can tell when they're trying to get you to answer a certain way to a question. So oh, some of them are totally oh, biased. They need, they need so much work. Like, by the way, the people does, that uh, honestly, what does astrology have to do with your political compass? Uh, and there is a question about astrology on there. So, um, but uh, I think you know, there's enough current politics out there that we'd like to bring you something a little bit different. But yet at the same time, we still, especially as we lead up to the election, probably need to discuss this stuff. And um, I, I know that Aaron brought some torture to me. Uh, in having to watch 
the conventions. Uh, so I want to return the torture to him in having to watch the debates and listen to Hillary Clinton's new podcast and no. do a review on that. No. Oh, God, yeah. please, no. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, I'm going to clockwork orange you, strap you to a chair with your eyes and ears held open and put some cans on your ears and make you listen to that thing as a, a review episode. I don't yeah. even know if it's going to be a political podcast. I'm assuming it is. We'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And uh, <laughs> maybe we'll meet in the tavern or maybe we'll have to meet around the campfire. But either way, it'll be fun. Yeah. So we got content coming at you guys. We will be your source for um, alternate. If If you're looking for a political podcast, but don't want to be inundated with the the daily political issues and um, current facts. We will be your alternate source for strange and not very useful political information. Yeah, I mean, we are no Fox News. We're no NPR. There's there's sites out there for that. Um, we I want mean, you to enjoy s- your politics. We want you to have fun with it. Yeah, we want you to, to imagine a world. <laughs> pre-hate era politics where you could actually talk to someone you don't fully agree with and have a fun conversation without being like this person's trying to kill me because they don't believe in my viewpoint. Uh, yeah, let's, let's be able to go back to that. So I think I got to sign off with, uh, as we're almost a month out from the election now, stay sane out there. People, there's a lot of craziness. Stay sane to the best of your ability. Be kind. And just respect one another. It's yeah. all for now. I I didn't finish this cider donut thing. I did, and I had tried to. So it wasn't that good. Podcast this. <laughs>